0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda, and I am still on this high, just so excited about being back for season nine. And I thank you for being here with me. If you have any questions for me or any suggestions for people to interview or just want to share with me any thoughts about the podcast or the episodes, you can always send me an email and you can connect with me through my website, which is the energeticalchemist.com. And while while you are there, I want to remind you that the Reiki Rays Healing Summit has um, registration open and available. If you go to my website, you can click on the link. And when you sign up, you will get access to four interviews right away. There are over. 30 interviews total in the summit, but the other interviews won't be published until the fall. And I will keep you posted about that. The other thing I want to remind you is that my new Oracle deck, the Energetic Alchemist Oracle is now available for pre-order and you can order your copy by going to my website. Learn more about that. Um, I recommend doing that right away because it's a limited edition. And once the copies are gone, they will be gone. <laughs> but it was absolutely a labor of love. And um, I helped to actually interview the artist that I worked with to share some more with you all about the process, because it, it really was amazing and much different than anything I could have ever imagined. But on to today's episode. Today, I'm going to share with you a conversation that I had with this phenomenal artist. Her name is Kianga. And Kianga is not only an artist, she is also a Reiki practitioner. And I met her a couple of years ago when I was invited to be a presenter at a melanated Reiki healers conference. And um, she was uh, just such a lovely person, amazing spirit and talented artist. And there was a lot about her and her work that I knew would be inspiring for you all to hear about. And in fact, what I thought I knew was just scratching the surface. She ends up sharing some details about her work um, and how it relates to healing. And it was very, very interesting, quite fascinating. So, so thankful to share this conversation with you. So I just want to let you know now if you would like to learn more about Kianga and her work. If you want to attend any of her online classes, um, she has online art workshops in the artwork. Again, it's just, it's incredible. Uh, You can learn more about her and her work at KiangaArt.com and you can also follow her on Instagram at KiangaArt.com underscore oh i'm tongue tied (laughs) Kianga underscore art that's on instagram but of course the links for all of that are below so i'm sure that you will learn a lot through this conversation and it may inspire various aspects of your own practice and creativity we're going to talk about lineages of art and reiki so enjoy and i will see you on the other side Hey everyone, welcome to Reiki Radio. Today we have a guest I'm so honored and excited to speak with and share with you today. This beautiful queen named Kianga. Kianga, I wanna thank you um, genuinely for taking the time. I know you're busy with projects so thank you for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I was, you know, you're, I love your show. I listen to you while I'm in the studio working often. So, well, yeah. you know,
0: it's one of those things I always think, especially with everything we've gone through with COVID and every all just yeah, people being more confined to home or not going out as much in the past. I mean, people are coming mm-hmm. back out now, mm-hmm. but that's how we connected. So, you know, I just want to share. I was very thankful <laughs> to meet you in the way that I did. Um, had a beautiful opportunity to join you and some other women virtually for a women of color healing event, and it was phenomenal. I think that was about a year ago now?
1: Yeah, yeah, October, beginning of October.
0: Yeah, gosh, time flies. So since meeting you then, I've had an opportunity to really explore your work and see some more of what it is that you are offering to the world. And just to give a general background for everyone, what we will discuss today is honoring lineage in art and healing. Because I think your work is so reflective of that. So let's talk a little bit about your background because, man, (laughs) you (laughs) have a lot um, of experience and exposure to all things that point to our healing. So could you tell us a little bit first, just about the segment of you being a massage therapist, a yoga teacher, and also Reiki practitioner. How did you get into this side of arts and healing?
1: Wow. Um, the massage actually came at the end of the marriage, my first marriage. Um, I had been a stay at home mom. I actually have a bachelor's degree in community mental health.
0: Right.
1: And, but I had been a stay at home mom and massage was always something in the back of my head that I, you know, I think I would like to do that. And so I got the opportunity through my dolls, mind you, to go to South Africa in 2000. And I told myself when I came back, I was going to make the decision about massage. And while I was there, we actually took Black dolls to South Africa because during apartheid, Black dolls were banned, like no positive images. So we took like thousands of dolls. It was like 25 of us that went. And one of the places that we went in, it was like an orphanage hospital kind of thing. And I walked into the room and it was a little boy. He was in something like an umbrella shape, you know, those old umbrella um, strollers. They just kind of look like a sling back. So he was sitting in something like that. And when I stepped into the threshold of the room, he said, I need a touch, I need a touch. And I'm like, that really, like, because, you know, because I knew I was planning to make a decision about massage when I went back, I took that as a direct message, you know. So I went over and I, I started massaging him. I started massaging his hands. And by that time, the rest of the group had caught up with me and we all they all came in the room too. And we were all like giving him a massage and touching him. And, and so as soon as I got back, I signed up for massage school. Mind you, I was 40 years old, you know, and I was starting all over. Uh, My kids were in middle school and because I had been a stay at home mom, I wanted to develop a career that would allow me to still be home with my children, you know? Mm -hmm. And once I started massage, it was like, I really like this. I really, really like this. Also, I, I saw how calming it was for me um, and, and the reaction that I got from people when I was in school. And knowing, especially in the Black community, like our lives are very stressful, you know, with the microaggressions and the racism and all that other stuff. It's hard to just woo saw at the end of your day, you know? And so for me, it was also an opportunity to bring massage to our community, you know, and and help people to see that it's not a luxury, you know, to relax yourself, to relax Mm -hmm. your body, to allow your muscles to just completely relax. You know, it's not something that we're used to doing. You know, it's not something that we were encouraged to do. So for me, it was that. Um, And so that was 2000. So it's been 22 years of me being a massage therapist. And also during that time, you know, massage introduces you to a lot of different things. Like I ate pretty healthy before, but massage introduced me to eating more healthy. Reiki, I was introduced to as soon as I got out of school. And I was like, I I didn't know what it was, but I was like, I'll come back to it. And I did, you know, and I did. Yoga was like maybe 10 years into um massage and yoga had been introduced to when I was about 16 one of our neighbors she was a yoga teacher and we were like and she like had this big afro and she wore like african print clothes and we would actually be cracking jokes about her like oh my god what is she thinking about herself and all of this you know just being teenagers and so one day she approached us and she said um will we be interested in learning yoga and we were too embarrassed to say no you know? So, so she invited us to come to her house on Thursday evenings. I think it was Tuesday and Thursday evenings after she, and she worked in DC. She worked in DC, came back to Baltimore cause she was taking care of her elderly parents. And we did yoga with her twice, a, twice a week for like over a year, you know? And that was another seed that got planted that deeply. And so Around the same time that I was going, I decided to go into massage, it reconnected me with yoga and I told myself, you know, I want to teach this. And it's always for me, I see stuff that our community can benefit from, you know, the healing arts and coming, like, I feel like on on a lot of levels, we... Um, our way of medicating ourselves and our way of dealing with stuff is alcohol and overeating, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was hoping that I could introduce that massage and yoga as healthy alternatives to coping, you know, to breathe properly, you know, just those things. So that, that was it. I, you know, I continue with that. But underneath that was also art. Like I had created art since I was a little kid. I was into collage and stuff like that. So I always saw myself as an artist, but doing the Massage, a healing artist, more so a healing artist than anything. A
0: healing artist. I love that. But Kianga, I have to tell you, you hit so many points in everything that you just shared. And it's fascinating hearing some of the background of your story. I mean, first of all, um, that, that, That moment that inspired you to say yes to massage—I mean, that's one of the most beautiful stories. But even what led you there to going Mm -hmm. to South Africa—that was, gosh, I'm like, where do we even start with you? There's so many things to tackle. So just that idea of you know, in South Africa because of apartheid, and they're not being positive images for people to see, and then Mm -hmm. you bring in these black dolls—it's funny because when I was thinking about this part of your artwork that you're doing now with the dolls and the quilts and even mm-hmm. the mixed media art everything that you share that was one of the things I was thinking like man that it really gives exposure one to us to reconnecting to and accepting all of the beautiful mm-hmm. aspects of us that have been you know I mean really devalued and told wasn't beautiful, and all of these things. And so you really guide people into creating beautiful things that help to reconnect to themselves, self connection, um, self acceptance, self love. But it also creates visual exposure for others to get more familiar with what hasn't been shown in the most positive lights in this country. So I have to ask you about that. Can we dig into that a bit? you have this experience going to South Africa, bringing the dolls. But again, thinking of how your work really is so impactful in that way here at home. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like, like even that healing aspect that comes in the creativity of the work that you do and the, the, the art circles that you facilitate? What is that like for people?
1: You know, that's, I started making dolls as a request from my daughter. She mm-hmm. was five years old and she asked me to make a doll that looked like her. And, you know, I was just being a good mom doing that. But yeah. there there was something, something magical about creating that doll. It, it, it felt so good. Uh, and, and I've talked to other people about the experience and they've had the same. And once I started creating the dolls, um, people, I've got invitations to do doll making workshops. Um, I took with me to South Africa because this was after apartheid when we went. I took with me um, like more than two dozen dolls that were made by people in our community, um, black and white, who made these dolls for the children. They knew where they were going, they wrote letters. Each doll had a little letter with it for the children that got the dolls. Um, and while we were in South Africa, we did a doll making workshop. And there's just, there's a light that happens in people's faces and in their spirits when they're creating dolls. Um, so I've done doll making with elders, with kindergartners. I did a workshop years ago We with parents who created uh, dolls for their children who were in Head Start and the dolls got to stay at Head Start with their children. So their children got to play with dolls that they created. You know, Dolls are, they have definitely been a healing tool for, for generations. Mm-hmm. You know, dolls are, they're that, that, that friend that we have as a child, that we whisper our dreams and our hopes to. That's who we sleep with and you hold on to. So the energy of a doll is very powerful in that way. Um, and then the dolls that I chose to create were dolls that reflected my heritage, you know African dolls I used African textiles <clears throat> I made the dolls in various shades of brown and cream and you know all about because we're, we're the gamut you yeah. know and I use different yarns to represent different hair textures and I introduced those same things to people as they as they were creating dolls so I remember I did a we did a three-day workshop for te- we were training teachers on how to use more art in the classroom and the doll making workshop was only supposed to be the first part of the first day. They worked on those dolls for the whole three days. Like they had to keep coming back to them. So there is a magic that's, that's, you know, that dolls have within them that is hard to even describe. You know, um, as I was, I was looking at my background, I realized this picture is me in 1991. Wow. This was after I had come back from Dark Images Doll Show in Philadelphia. And that's where I got introduced to hundreds of other black doll makers. Like, cause I, you know, when you're doing something in your home, you think you're the only one. Only to discover there's zillions of people in the world doing the same thing with the same connections and and using the same materials in different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what it was for me. It was a connection to culture. It was a connection to spirit and it was a connection that I could see other people were experiencing too. It wasn't just me, you know, Right. It wasn't just me.
0: So. You know, Kianga, I mean, that's so amazing. One, because you made me think of dolls in a whole nother way. And you see how, you know, children are so attached to their dolls, but I never thought about it that deeply. So it's really mm-hmm. beautiful um, considering the comfort that they give, but also they can be these beautiful mirrors for us. And you remind me of, um, you know, I was born in late 70s, but my mom and I were, I was born in DC, but we Mm -hmm. left when I was around five and moved to Massachusetts. And so the area where we moved in was primarily Italian and other ethnicities, not that many Black people were Mm -hmm. um, where we lived. And so now, think of like the early 80s, the Cabbage Patch dolls came out. I wanted one so bad. And my mom was like, it's ugly, it's expensive, (laughs) and no. And so there was this one Christmas where um, one of my friends, her family, they were Italian, and they got me a Cabbage Patch for Christmas. And my mom then went out and got me a Corn Silk Kid, but she was Black. Yes. And so as a kid, I just felt lucky that I ended up with two dolls, right? But- Of course, you know, hindsight, that's one of those stories that always stood out to me of how she knew how important it was for me to have something that was also reflective of me. So it's really powerful to think about, again, dolls, but even being able to create them from our own lens of, you know, whatever inspires us and whatever we may see in reflection of ourselves. So, goodness, Canada, I did not even anticipate you were going to be so deep at the very beginning and there's so much I have to ask you
1: about. You know you were talking about your childhood doll the first um black doll that I had was actually Julia I don't even know if you remember her but Diane Carroll was in a sitcom uh-huh. and she was a nurse she was a single mom with a little boy I think his name was Corey and Barbie came out with a Julia doll. Um, and I had one and I'm like, you know, it's it's so important to our our self-esteem to have positive to see ourselves in a positive light. Right. And representation. That's why it's so important. You know, if you're if you're of the class culture that you get to see yourself all the time anyway, you don't even really notice that there are no black people being represented. There are no Native American people being represented. Right. You know, there are no Asian people being represented. There are no Muslim people being represented. Like when I look at uh, something, that's what I'm looking at. You know, everybody looks for themselves. Yeah. Everybody looks for themselves, and everybody needs that affirmation that I am beautiful, that I am, that I matter, because that's what representation representation says that I matter enough that I am included. That is a
0: beautiful, I, listen, this is so powerful. I mean, what are we like, just at the very beginning again, <laughs> I mean, the way that you are framing everything, I mean, like it just, I think it'll have a lot of people thinking so much more deeply about a lot of um, uh-huh. what it is that we are not aren't exposed to, but also that importance of honoring what is familiar, um, what looks like us, feeling a sense of belonging. And also, like you said, um, how it really points to us mattering as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) the other part that you mentioned in, you know, describing your connection to everything, going back to the little boy and him saying, I need touch.
1: Yes. Yeah. Could
0: you talk a little bit about what you started to recognize or what you realized in terms of the power of touch okay. for our healing through massage reiki all the ways just hugging your kids what have you learned about the power of touch
1: well you know in massage school we we were taught that you need touch and that mm-hmm. touch deprivation can cause all kinds of psychological and physical disease in the body. I, I don't know if you remember when there were a lot of crack babies being born. Mm-hmm. One of the big things was to have people to hold them. You oh. know, we need touch. We need to be touched, you know, um, and, and we need healthy. And a lot of us have bad touch memories, you know but we have to get ourselves to a place that we have some positive touch in our life. Touch, is the, okay. I used to do um, couples massage workshops uh, as a massage therapist. I connected with a therapist and she had people who were struggling in their marriage. Touch is the first thing we stop doing, you know? Like mm. you, can, you can be in a, a marriage and not speaking you know or you'll speak what you have to say but don't touch me that's the first thing we say don't touch me you know you don't want any a person to touch you you know and it's like touch is so powerful and so important and so necessary healing touch our body needs to be touched I, there was a whole study, there was a whole big study in that when I graduated from a massage school, there was a touch institute in Miami. I don't know if it's still going on. And it was doing all this research on the importance of touch and its benefits to us, you know, which, wow, my, my hands are getting activated while we're talking because that was that's what brought me back to Reiki because I started noticing from all the years of doing massage like my, the centers of my hands would start heating up and vibrating, you know, yeah. and, and my, my Reiki teacher told me, she said, well, that's that's your, your healing energy charging up. So you need to touch people <laughs> when that happens. So I'm gonna touch myself right now because just getting excited, you know, talking about it is exciting, but touch is a very powerful thing. Like even elders, I, I have a lot of, uh, you know, I had a lot of um, elderly clients, who no longer had, um, their partners had died or they lived alone. You know, that's why pets are important. That's why pets are important. Pets are, they give you that that living connection, but it's the touch, it's the hugging, it's, we need that, we need it so much. And so I have a lot of, I had a lot of elderly clients who once a month they got a massage, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just, it stimulates growth. It stimulates healing, it, it, it's calming, it's soothing. You know how you feel after a massage, yeah. you know? It's, it's a, I, you know, and then a day because I get a massage. I get a massage once a month too. I'd love to get one every week, but um, you know, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. It's funny, I, as we were talking, I actually wrote a poem about the experience of touch. And I'm looking to see if it was in here. I can't believe I don't have it in here. But I wrote it as soon as I got out of massage school. And it was all about the power of touch.
0: Wow. Well, if you can't find it right now, if you um, let me know if you end up posting it on social media or somewhere where I can link it or include it in the show description, I absolutely will. But again, you have my mind spinning, Kianga, And it's (laughs) interesting because... You know, I'm back in California right now. But when I was in D.C. recently, I booked a two-hour massage. And one of the things you said not that long ago is this is not a luxury to relax. But, you know, in my mind, I thought, like, oh, I just need this. But it was because I had pain in my shoulder. But Mm -hmm. the beauty of what you're saying is it wasn't just about the pain. I just needed peace. I just needed to relax. I just needed to stop. And it's interesting how, you know, as powerful as touches as well, there's something about being in those spaces for massage or Reiki or whatever, you're just giving yourself the space to to breathe and relax. I mean, in the world that we live in, just like you mentioned earlier, we're constantly holding on to stress. We're thinking about 5000 different things, because of what's been going on in the world lately, that has been compounded. I mean, we are in need of peace and healing and rest in so many ways. But you also bring up the positive touch. God, how powerful that is to reconnect us to, especially if you've had experiences of touch that have been harmful, triggering, whatever it may be, to have exposure to touch that is positive, nurturing and loving. But also to your point, You know, I grew up with a single mom. I mean, she worked her tail off to make sure I had everything. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't affectionate. She didn't have time for that, you know. And so even that, if you didn't have exposure to someone, you know, overly nurturing in a physical way, Mm -hmm. that's also a gift we get to experience through these different practices.
1: Yes. Yes. It's allowing yourself permission to heal. Right still yourself because you know the, the whole idea of the massage is your muscles are relaxed you're not working you're not doing right. anything that's why the, the therapist always tells you to just be like a rag doll don't help me just lay still and you'd be surprised how difficult that is for most people yeah most people cannot just you know <laughs> let their burden down long well, enough for someone to work their must work on their muscles and, and relax their muscles It's, you know, I have
0: to ask you about mm -hmm. breath and that as well, because, you know, especially because you also ended up becoming a yoga teacher. Do you notice that? Do you ever have to guide people a bit and maybe just reminding them to breathe or helping them to breathe just to get them to recognize that they can relax in their body?
1: Yes. You know we we hold our breath so much in life we are we are always bracing ourselves you know we're always bracing ourselves and we we don't take complete breaths you know we're we're breathing very shallow we're rarely taking and filling the lungs up you know and when covid you know, that was one of the big things about taking deep breaths, you know, because it attacked your lungs, right? You know, at first it attacked your lungs, taking those deep breaths. Yes. I always had to remind people of that. And the the beautiful thing about yoga, yoga is a massage for your organs. When you twist, you're squeezing everything out. And when you untwist, fresh nutrients, fresh blood, fresh, everything is going into your organs. So the movements, the, the asanas, the poses are actually ways to massage the inside of your body. Yes. You know, it, It's like, it's, they all connect, you know, and Reiki is igniting the healing energy in your body yes. and helping it to flow through your body. You know, um, we have two positions in life, flight or fight, you know, which we are in constantly. And that's, you know, that's not deep breathing to, to restore and repair. You have to take deep breaths. You have to come out of flight or fight. And the problem that we are having in today's society is that we're constantly in in flight or fright. We never come out of that. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it The only way we really come out of it is if we do make time for a massage, if we do make time for yoga, if we do make time for stillness, just don't do nothing, you know, turn everything off, disconnect, you know. Well, I'm thinking
0: about that too, your beautiful art classes. I mean, that has to be amazing in the same way because you're coming off of your device and you're totally directing your energy towards like what your inspiration and in the art and creativity. And that has to be soul healing as well. I mean, just to step out of the noise and focus yes. into some form of creation. And I want to ask you about your classes. Cause I'm sure again, anyone listening is like, wait a minute, how do I get in touch with her? Can I work with her? <laughs> this is, Oh, it's just an amazing story. But I want to ask you about the mental health aspect as well, because you do, as you mentioned, you have a degree, a background in community mental health and there's a couple of layers about this i wanted to ask you about again a lot of your work really does support the healing within our community and it's interesting because you know therapy and a lot of different modalities and practices that are common now for a lot of time weren't accepted within our community or yeah. just you know yeah. weren't thought of in the best light within our community in part, maybe because there weren't a lot of people who looked like us that were facilitating that work, but that has changed greatly. Yes. And um, now you see on social media, I mean, there are a lot of young pumpkins coming out now doing a whole range of support for
1: um, yeah.
0: our community. But given what has gone on in these last few years, and it has caused more anxiety, a, a lot that, you know, a lot of people don't talk about. Um, A lot that we're just experiencing in a heightened way and all of these things. And so there is, I think, a lot being revealed now in terms of how we're coping, how we don't cope, how we need more um, positive healing practices to support us. So I Mm -hmm. wanted to ask you a bit about that aspect, the mental health, how your work, even your artwork really ties in to support that. But I have to highlight something else you said a while ago about, you know, a lot of people self-medicating with alcohol and these things. And Mm -hmm. it's one of the things I noticed when I was in uh, Maryland, not that long ago, I even made the comment to my cousin, I was like, does everyone here just drink? And I mean, there were literally liquor stores everywhere, Mm -hmm. bars everywhere, and Mm -hmm. everyone, it was, it was like people were just self-soothing with alcohol. And I was like, man. But within our community, but I mean, you had easy access to it, won't go down that rabbit hole. But to say, (laughs) with all that you're doing, how does this really tie into mental health? And what have you noticed in this arena, even in the recent years?
1: Well, like you were saying, you know, in recent years, particularly, people may have been, say, At the beginning stages of maybe drinking a little too much or coming home and you know doing something to calm themselves from the day but once they were in their house in their mind in their head replaying over and over again whatever was stressing them the worry you know because we in the beginning this was i mean it's still frightening but yeah. in the beginning we were clueless we didn't know how long it was going to last we didn't know how it was going to impact us and you know we were losing family members right. and the whole thing we were talking about touch you you know that was the first thing that stopped you couldn't touch people touch right you know? and so i think the 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 self-medication the way of healing the way of coping became alcohol more so and and eating also, you know, two the two of the things that we had easy access to. Right. You know, I think for a long time, not only was there a stigma to going to a therapist, but people feel like they couldn't afford a therapist. yes. So you know? and they didn't want and, 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 you know, we have this history of not keep not telling people our business, <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to go to a stranger and tell them my business. But, you know, being a mental health professional myself and I I recognize the beauty of counseling, the beauty of having someone as a sounding board to remind you that, no, that's not that's not abnormal to have that feeling or that concern about that thing. You know, Mm -hmm. just somebody to kind of help you to see you're okay, or, yeah, you, you might need some help with that, you know, and just being a mirror. And I think a lot of what happened is us being in our own head, and our own homes, we weren't really being a mirror for each other. We weren't even being a mirror for ourselves. You know, there was nobody, and that's what, you know, you look at your, your best friends or your friends, you look at them as a true friend will tell you, you know, that's too much. You need, you know, I'm concerned about you.
0: Right,
1: And it was like, there was a fear of going to that. You couldn't even go to the hospital. You couldn't make an appointment. You know that. So it was a lot of dynamics that kind of kept us in this box of self medicating, the easiest way. You know, I know that that first year I started doing a, a, a live yoga class on Facebook on Sunday mornings because everybody was home. You know, and offering you know, we have to look at other alternatives, you know, because alcohol is going to keep taking you down a path that you're going to, you, you can't just get off of alcohol. Right. You need, you know, drugs, you need help. Absolutely. You know? So you have to, at some point, be able to look at yourself and say, I have a problem and that I need so to- powerful. That's the beginning of all, you know, I, like I said, you know, my first, my first job out of college was, I was a poly abuse counselor, meaning my clients were alcoholic heroin addicts. And I was like 22 years old, you know, and I remember having the first, one of my first clients, when I looked on his, uh, his history, he had started using heroin the year I was born. Wow. And I'm thinking 22 years, he's been doing this for 22 years. What can I say out my mouth? And it wasn't about, he was coming to the, because it was a methadone maintenance claim, which was a substitute for heroin. And a lot of people were coming into that situation just to get something that they wouldn't have to get arrested for. But I learned from that a person has to come to it themselves that, I need help. Right. They have to look in the mirror and say, I need help. And then the next step is seeking the help.
0: Well, that's one of the be- uh, beautiful things, I think, about how we do have exposure to each other, you know, with social media and all yeah. of these things. I mean, like, yes, we can complain a lot about it. But I think even similar to what we we're talking about before, the visibility of even yeah. seeing other people saying, I am hurting, I'm struggling, <laughs> this is how, but also that other component of, but this is what's helping me. So I think we have um, such a beautiful opportunity in that there is so much sharing going on now, that people are starting to maybe not feel as ashamed, or starting to question their discomfort enough to reach out to learn how to do things to support. So in that, I want to Circle back around a bit um, to Reiki because similar to you, when the pandemic started, that's when I started my Alchemy Circle. So I'm like, listen, everybody's at home, probably don't know what to do. We can meet each other on Zoom and you know really support each other through this this type of work. But one of the beautiful things um, that I appreciate about the practice so much is there is a lot of a lot of the elements within it can be done. Yourself for yourself and help you really look at you, but we also have the opportunity to work with people remotely. And so, while we can't always physically touch, we still can touch on a soul level or energetically, this type of thing. So, I wanted to talk to you a bit about that, Um, especially during these past couple of years. Did that change your perspective of your practice at all, or did it deepen or change your personal practice in any way?
1: Yes. It, you know what? It, it took me into it even deeper, Yeah. you know, because I felt like that's what I needed. And something that you said, social media was a good thing and it has been a good thing in terms of letting people know that getting help is, is OK. And there's right. a, there were a lot of options. There are there a lot of affordable options. There were a lot of people you can connect with. Um, during this time, I took Reiki level two because I had taken Reiki level one years ago and i felt like i needed more tools in my toolbox so to speak for my own personal healing and for my the clients that i was still seeing for their healing and so I, you know and one of the things that uh, our, my teacher taught us was to do reiki on yourself yes to do reiki on yourself and after we finished level 2 we had a fi- we had an assignment she for 30 days do Reiki on yourself every day. And I told myself, I'm going to do hundred days. You know? <laughs> and, you know, we, you know, I did Chukure, I made it, you know, all around myself. And then I start with my head, may harmony prevail, you know, and just placing my, starting from the top of my head, my eyes, my face, my neck, my ears, and just going all the way down my body, may harmony prevail, may harmony prevail. And I, I did that for 100 days straight. And you know what? At after the, the 100th day, I was like, why would I stop doing this? You know, why would I stop doing this? So it's a part of my daily practice to do Reiki on myself. And I think that, you know, it's important for us to connect as a community. And we do a virtual Reiki circle here, the, uh, the Melanated Reiki Collective here. In fact, we have our next one coming up. We do a once a month virtual circle. We were doing a live circle. And I think we've done one or two live ones, you know, in, in recent months. But I do Reiki on myself every single day. Yeah. And, you know, I still have just a couple of, of elderly clients that I do massage on, you know, because um, I, I let go of massage to just be a full-time artist, which we'll talk about some more. But, you know, I do use Reiki in my practice. I've always used it. And I also, I Reiki everything that leaves my house that people, artwork that they purchase from me. You know, it goes into the shipping, it gets chukurate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it goes up the door. And I have like a stencil that I've been adding onto my quilts and stuff too, you know, um, adding that as well. So yeah, um, I feel like this has strengthened my practice. It strengthened my practice for my own personal healing as well as the community healing, recognizing that, you know, if I'm fortified as much as I can possibly be, then I can really be a force for the community. You know, and we each can do that. You know, if you're, you know, if you're moving from a full cup, right? If you're moving from a full cup, then you have something to share. But if you are depleted. You know, there's not a lot that you can offer someone else. So, yeah, the Reiki is, my hands are charging right now. <laughs> I can describe it. It's just like, just when I, you know, I've, I've been doing it, for, that was like the beginning of 2020 that I took um, level two. So, it's been more than a year, almost two years of me doing it every day on myself. That yeah. my hands my just respond to it, you know, me even talking about it.
0: That's such a powerful reminder. And it really ties into so much of what you've shared, even that, that power of, you know, self-touch and breathing Mm -hmm. into that and giving ourselves these spaces to relax. But again, the community aspect is just unbelievable. That was the group that I got to um, come and connect with you all through the melanated um, Reiki circle. That was so, that was just a phenomenal event. And I think that's something you all hold annually, right? I mean, aside from the monthly circles, you have a bigger event.
1: Conference. That was our third annual conference. And it's getting, Mm -hmm. every year it's gotten bigger and stronger. Mm -hmm. More people are involved. More people are wanting to learn about Reiki. More people are recognizing. I think COVID did do, in that respect, it made us realize that we needed to face some more holistic approaches Mm -hmm. to healing. Yes. Expand our thinking to more eating better, exercise, yoga, deep breathing, Reiki, massage, sound therapy, you know, all of them are like, they're here now, you know, and they're a part of the universe in a very beautiful way.
0: I can have a whole nother conversation with you about this because that just makes my mind go down a rabbit hole of the beautiful side of what it exposed in terms of us starting to finally look at ourselves. But I want to make sure we get to talk some more about the beautiful work you're doing in the world because again, I mean, it's amazing all that you do. But I wanted to ask you about a couple of things. So you do offer virtual classes now. Um, You also have um, received, yeah, You, I think at the beginning you were saying the fellowship, yeah, for the Innovative Artist Fellowship. And if you could share with us a bit about the cloth book because I was like, what is that? (laughs) So I know that's a lot to throw at you, but can we start with the classes even that you
1: teach? Yes, I, you know, well, I, I, before the whole COVID thing, I was actually doing many classes at my home, like, uh, artist retreat kind of things, like small group classes, and I was just about to launch that, like, on a monthly basis, I'm a quilter, doll maker, fiber artist. So we were doing collage. We were doing dyeing. We were doing doll making. We were doing quilting. And one of the classes that really resonated with a lot of people is the textile portrait classes, which is this class. Yes. And basically, you know, I would send each person a pattern for the neck and the shoulders and some fabric and the guidance. And I just launched it as an on-demand class, so I can definitely give you the link in the you know the show notes for people Please. to come. And the class is for you know it's 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 a way for you to tap into your creativity. Um, it's got a very low learning curve because a lot you know a lot of learning. There's always a learning curve. You know, there's always that little bit of time where you go, eh, I don't know. Eh. <laughs> this class is that's very quick. It's it's very quick because it's it's construction, but you already have the pieces to construct, you know. Um, So it's a very, very popular class. I've been doing it. Zoom for groups. I've had families to to book it for their families. And now that it's an on demand class, like I had one lady who ordered it. She had six people in her family, you know, so she ordered enough for six people. Um, So you get a canvas board. You get the. you can. there are two, two options. You can get the basic option where you get the you get the videos that explain everything, plus the instruction, plus the templates um, that you would need to make your portrait. Um, and then if you already have fabric, you know, if you already are a crafter, a lot of that, like the glue sticks and the scissors and all of that stuff and the fabric you would already have. But Mm -hmm. if you don't have that, and you still want to do it, I have like a deluxe version, so you register for that class, and I will send you a kit, and that kit has African fabric, it has the templates for the portrait, it has some calorie shells that you can add, you still get the same video instruction and written instruction, and you can always text me or email me if you have any concerns or questions, but it's it's so easy breezy and so much fun. And it's a great class for all age groups. Like I've had mm-hmm. children as young as five, you know, and people as old as 85 to do, and they have the same success rate with the class. So that's the main one right now. Um, I'm, the end of the month, I'm actually gonna be teaching a quilting class at the ILE Center in um, Pompano as a part. I'm, I have three quilts in a show called all together which is celebrating African-American quilters. Um, but right now I'm actually working on a book. It's a cloth book and it's a line. The book itself is actually a line from my daily prayer. And that line is, let me be an open landing place for my blessings. So the first page I, it's all hand-stitched. I love to hand-stitch and it says daily prayer and I've stitched it with various colors of mud cloth and hand stitching. And then the first page I printed out on cloth, the words, let me, let me be an open landing place. And the last page I'm working on still for my blessings, for my blessings. And you know, that's that line in my prayer, my daily prayer is one that always fortifies me, always makes me feel stronger. I want to be an open landing place for my blessings. I don't want to be closed off to any blessings that can come my way. I want my hands open and free to receive those blessings, you know?
0: so that's my
1: reminder
0: (laughs) but it's just amazing to me to see the visual artwork that accompanies each line of your prayer like Mm -hmm. how beautiful that is to have the affirmation of the words but also to have those beautiful images to go along with it so is this something that you're submitting to an exhibit
1: is this just personally for you this is something that I'm admitting submitting to an exhibit but I'm also going to start with the library, we're starting in June. I'm going to do soulful stitching once a month um, for like an hour and a half. You can come and we sew together many projects, like maybe a page from the book, you know, something like that. Um, So that's one thing that I'm doing. And I'm hoping to also do that like Zoom Zoom wise, you know, so people can come and join me one Sunday a month. Just bring some needle and thread and work on it. And I'm thinking about putting together some kits for that so you can order them for me and I will curate some fabrics and some things for you. So that's still in the works, but that's, you know, you can, um, I have a newsletter that I put out every month and I can send the link to that. And that lets you know what's happening because some things are local and some things are national that you can participate in. The textile portrait class is national.
0: So the textile portrait, I mean, because you said that's kind of okay, their learning curve is not too bad. But I'm also curious for people who just saw that visual of this beautiful cloth book. And I have to ask, is that a thing? Is that something that is, you know, has been done historically, a cloth, but I've never seen it before. Is that something that you just felt inspired to create? Is there any background to that? And do you have to be somewhat good at sewing to put that
1: well, it, together <laughs> if you can put a needle in the thread you know if you can put the needle through the thread and put the knot at the end so it's just sewing sewing okay. is so, such an easy thing um but this actual the, the um exhibition that I'm working that I'm submitting this for is artist books so mm-hmm. they're going to be a lot of different funky cool creative ideas of a book and because cloth is my my fabric, my thing of choice, my medium of choice, I decided that I wanted my pages to be made of cloth. Brilliant. (laughs) This is Something that would be fun for people to do too. They could do a smaller version of it, you know? Right.
0: That's really beautiful. Yeah, because I was like, that would be such a fun thing to make. I just like the idea of like the simplicity of a lot of us have a mantra or something that really resonates with us, but then amplifying that and having the, the, the visual to go, but also seems like something, you know, can even be shared with others yeah. or, you know, um, displaying it out in that way. Okay, so you um, you do exhibits, and I would like you to share if you can a bit, because you've said a little bit locally, and you mentioned Pompano Beach, but for anyone listening, If they may be local to you, do you mostly do these types of events local to where you are and where is that? (laughs) Or do you travel for these events?
1: Um, South Florida is where I am and and, um, Riviera Beach specifically, but I do do national and um, local things as well. Like This show that I'm submitting for will be... in St. Petersburg, which is on the west coast of Florida at the Florida Craft Art Gallery. That's what I'm submitting this piece for. Um, but I do submit around the country, you know, if it's if it's an exhibition, if the theme is something that ties into the work that I do, then I'm I'm there, you know. Yeah. I, so I do submit to a lot of quilt shows and things of that nature. Um, yeah, and, and like I said, um, This whole COVID thing kind of slowed up everybody's schedule. So a lot of things that I would have normally submitted stuff for got put to the wayside and they're just starting to get geared up again. I forgot to mention, I did win um, the Innovative Artist Fellowship for here in Palm Beach County. And what the the Cultural Council did is they gave a grant of $7,500 to six artists, six Palm Beach County artists to further their artistic careers. Like we decide what we want to do with it, but there is an exhibition at the end of it. You know, at the end, uh, the uh, fellowship is for a year. Um, so I'll be working on art for the fellowship um, for our, throughout the year. The exhibition is next summer, 20, June, 2023. Um, I
0: have to ask you one little thing about that. Cause you mentioned this before we started recording. Uh-huh. And you were talking about how you know you're breathing through it and allowing the inspiration to come. And I wanted to know if you could share a little bit of that background of your process with us just because I think a lot of us put a lot of pressure on ourselves about anything in life yeah. that we have to hurry up. We gotta do it quick, you know, is it good enough? But what is that? What is that like for you as an artist to tap in and allow the inspiration? Do you have any tips for how that? process looks for
1: you yeah you know i i well i i used to say that i get pregnant with the idea Mm. meaning it takes me months of gathering like i might read books i might listen to music um certain incense i might burn you know um i might go sit by the ocean all of those things or you know all of those things inspire me i might go see art and I'll keep taking in, taking in and taking in. And then one day the art starts coming out. You know, it's like I'll, I'll get to a point and I, it's, it, it varies with different things. If it's a specific theme that I'm trying to create something for, then I also might sketch. I have like uh, sketchbooks that I'll draw in, that I write notes in, that I write poems in. And, you know, once I start to create the art, I gather all that stuff, you know? Mm. I also collect materials. Like I might see a certain piece of fabric and go, ooh, I know I want to use that for something. Like for this piece here, this page, the flowered print, I was like, I know I want to use it for something. I bought this fabric like two years ago and I'm just using it, you know? So I think you have to allow the process you know, and don't let the deadline, if you got a deadline, don't let it beat up on you too much. Like you still have time. If if it's not the day before, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, you know, I think it's all the little steps that you make to it. Like, you know, I have until next June, but I can't wait until, you know, next March to start working on my art. And even though I don't have, um, I don't have the first background of the quilts. I have pieces already that I've started working on. Like this one page, this last page of the book, I'm like, oh, that would make an amazing, a larger piece. And so I already have the foundation for it. So I think you, one, you gotta, don't beat up on, you gotta be forgiving, you gotta be kind, you gotta be gentle, you gotta be loving to yourself. Mm -hmm. And you gotta be patient with yourself. And you got to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. You know, I've learned to be very kind with myself as an artist, especially, you know, just be kind to yourself, you know, just the same kindness that you share and you show to your family and your friends and the community, show that to yourself, you know, and trust that you're going to get it done. You know, you're going to do what you need to do. And so just look at all of the little steps to the process as getting you there. And that's how I had to, you know, instead of being, otherwise you'll feel overwhelmed all the time. Right. And that doesn't solve anything, right? Feeling overwhelmed. You just like, uh, one of my friends said once to me, what's, what's the best way to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So you know, you look at this big thing that you have, a big project that you have, and that's what I look. I know I got this big show that I want to create for, and I and I've been writing down my ideas for it, and I've been collecting fabric for it, and I've been collecting music. I mean, I'm all kind of stuff. You know, I yeah. just ingest it all, and then it's like it gets to this point where I have enough to get started, you and then I. Start- Yeah, and even as I'm doing that, it could change Mm -hmm. as I'm working on it. I allow that to happen. I allow myself to receive that. And I allow myself to, (laughs) my yoga teacher used to always tell me, detach from the outcome. When I, the first, my first couple of months in yoga teacher training, I was so focused on how the pose was going to look at the end that I couldn't even be in the moment of learning it. You know, she said, detach from the outcome, detach from the outcome, detach from the outcome in everything, you know, because it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You're going to be okay. You know, I need
0: to hear you describe this because everything you're saying, it reminds me, it mirrors so much of what supports us through our healing journey. I mean, a lot of times, especially when we recognize there is some need for healing or a need for a connection or whatever it is, just, you know, having safe space to feel yeah. seen and heard all of the things. A lot of times we get overwhelmed with the idea of, well, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or um, the ideas that we have, the stories of like, well, I'm not a healer. I'm not going to be good at that on and on and on. And it just takes that one step, right? That yeah. one step, like the neighbor inviting you into yoga. Yeah. And then look how that seed has really blossomed in your path. And I can't imagine, you know, again, like the thought, ooh, massage. And then this child says, I need touch. And now look how that has blossomed <laughs> in your past. Just yeah. All of the things that we may question or, you know, I don't know, just the processes we go through of overanalyzing. But this whole idea of what you described, of it almost sounds like to like have fun with it. Like, just, yeah. just be open to possibility. Just, yeah. just try something out or... You know, yeah. just, just play a bit and you never know where it will lead you. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's fascinating. So I know I can't keep you all day, even though really I could talk to you all day, Kianga. I <laughs> truly could talk to you all day. I want to make sure people know how to connect with you. But first, my last question for you, with everything that we have talked about and hearing so much of your beautiful background and all that you do share and give back, A lot of what you said did point right back in to that practice of and that need of making sure your cup is full. So I wanted to know if you could share a little bit with those listening, the value and the importance of that, especially when so many of us are conditioned to feel a bit of guilt of recognizing that we need help and support too, or we need whatever we may need because everyone else is first. So how has that practice of focusing on you really supported you and how may it support anyone that's challenged with that?
1: You know, I, I used to be one of those people who gave till it hurt, mm-hmm. gave till it was, you know, I knew I'd given too much because I was uncomfortable and I didn't like that feeling, you know? And I, and I realized that if I was okay, if I, could, if I would nurture myself, if I would put myself into situations that were nurturing, if I allowed myself to rest, if I allowed myself to listen, then I was better prepared to deal with anything else and to help someone else. You can't help someone from an empty cup. You can't, you know, and it's like you don't have to give till it hurts. Give at your comfort level and say, okay, that's, that's, that's all I can do. Another thing that I learned to do, I practiced no. In I learned to say no to some things, you know? I, I used to say that I was a recovering overextender, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause we, and especially as women, you know, we're, we're, we're expected to give and give and give, no. I started getting in the mirror and go, no, no, thank you. No, I can't do that. I appreciate you offering me that opportunity, but no, I won't be able to do that right now. I got too much going on. I mean, just practicing it to yourself in the mirror. Trust me. And it gets easier. And it's like, no is an answer just like yes. And it should be respected as such. And you, it, no is a complete sentence. You know, <laughs> just say no. And fuel yourself and no doesn't mean you will never do it. Maybe, uh, you know, a month later, you filled your cup enough and say, you know what, I can help you with that right now. But when you right. first asked me, I couldn't help you with that. Be honest with yourself.
0: I'm laughing because I literally just said this to my friend this morning. I was like, "Girl, I am just saying no to everything right now yeah. because I have I've said yes to so many things that now all of a sudden I'm swimming and scrambling. Of like, oh my god, hi! I had to get all these things done. And I was like, yeah. for right now, for right now, I'm right in a yeah. segment of no, like no, I can't. No, I'm sorry. No, maybe later. No, no, no. I literally yeah. just said this, Kianga, and I think that's such a good message for people to give yourself permission because otherwise the no is going to come from a space of exhaustion and yeah. exactly what you said giving until you hurt and then I mean you couldn't say yes if you really wanted to exactly. so that is a very powerful message I, I thoroughly enjoyed
1: our conversation my love <laughs> is what what it contributes to anxiety right yes yes you Yes, there's so much stuff and then you realize you can't do all of that. Right. You know, it it, you know, free yourself. (laughs) Free yourself. yourself. You know, like my I have an elder in my life. She, you know, she's such a sweetheart. When my mom transitioned, I adopted another mom, another, Mm -hmm. she's an elder, and I treat her like my mom. And you know, in the early years of her being my mom, she would say to me, darling, because she's from Jamaica. Darling, what would they do if you were dead? Huh? What would they do if you were dead? They would figure <laughs> something else out. They would figure something else out. And I was like, yeah, right. So if like no to somebody, they'll find somebody, they'll find another way to get it done. Right. right? Yeah. But you're feeling the weight of it. Of Oh my God, I said yes. And I can't do that. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Free yourself. That's free yourself, love yourself, and forgive yourself. I forgive myself every day, all day long. I forgive I, yourself. I think I'm gonna have
0: to say in the intro of this interview, because I do the intro separate. I'm gonna have to tell everyone, grab a pen, grab something <laughs> to write with, because she's gonna give you a bunch of beautiful jewels, these nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> Just to be prepared to take notes.
1: Yeah, man. Just love yourself unconditionally. Love yourself unconditionally, and then you can love, you can love everyone around you. You can love the community. You can love everything more better, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have
0: to thank you, Kianga, for all the work that you are doing, all that you share. I told you, you know, when we were connected with each other back in the end of last year. I mean, it's funny. You just never know what connections will bring, you know? That's- and from the very beginning, I was like, gosh, this woman is amazing. And I've been so thankful to have crossed paths with you. And I'm so thankful too, because with all you have going on, that you made time to have this conversation and share with the community that listens to the podcast. So could you please let everyone know what is the best way to be in touch with you, learn more about your work, website, social media?
1: Sure, Thank you. Thank you for for inviting me. You know, I, I was so honored. Um, you can reach me through Kianga Art. Um, that's K-I-A-N-G-A-A-R-T. That's my name, Kianga and art.com. That's my website. I'm also on Instagram as Kianga Art. And I also have Kianga Art Gallery on Instagram. So it's Kianga underscore art, I think. Or Kianga Art on Instagram. Uh, Kianga Art on Facebook. I have a, my my Facebook page is I include what I'm doing and what other artists are doing around the world. Just you know, just inspirational stuff. Um, so that's you know, if you type in Kianga. I'm pretty much Google. I've pretty got to Google. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got Google unlock. Well, I do want everyone to know. Of course, the links will be down in the show description. So KiangaArt.com is the website. Kianga underscore art is the instagram because you know i had to check that out to make sure um before we had the conversation but also again Kianga art even on facebook so all of the beautiful ways to connect with you and again thank you so much for all we were able to discuss today but i'm going to tell you right now i'll be reaching out again because there's so much more that i wanted to explore with you so thank you again for coming to share
1: thank you thank you my love Namaste. Peace.
0: Okay, beautiful alchemist, I want to thank you again for being here and uh, being a part of this community. I have to tell you, one of the things I think about all the time is how much Reiki Radio has grown in the nine seasons that I've been doing the podcast. And all of that is due to you (laughs) and the community showing up I can't tell you how much I appreciate being able to have these conversations with other authors, healers, and practitioners so that we can all learn through exchange. So I really genuinely thank you for your presence and contributing to the growth of the community. And with that in mind, please share Reiki Radio with your community. Share it on social media. Share it with your friends and family anyone you think that would benefit from any of the episodes or conversations because it really just again, supports the growth of the podcast and even who we can get on as guests and have conversations with. So share away, I really appreciate it. I also wanna thank Kianga again for taking the time to have that beautiful conversation, sharing with us about her work and if you would like to learn more about her work, her art classes, her Reiki, anything at all, if you just have questions for her, you can visit her website, kiangaart.com. And again, you can follow her on Instagram at Kianga underscore art. So I will have all of those links for you down in the show description. And before you go, don't forget to go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com. So you can register for the Reiki Rays Healing Summit. So many phenomenal conversations that will help you with your practice and understanding of Reiki. And you can order your copy of the Energetic Alchemist Oracle, which is a limited limited edition deck that I created with Energetic alchemists and practitioners in mind to really support us on our paths. So can't wait to share all of these things with you. I will see you next week and remember to always journey in love.